to John 13. This morning, we're going to talk about forgiveness, something that none of us have to deal with in life because, you know, we're all pretty awesome. No, everybody has to deal with forgiveness in life, and everybody has to deal uh, with it maybe on a regular basis more than you know. Some people have been raised to be more forgiving than others, so some things that come against them don't bother them. They just kind of let it go. Other people maybe were raised or somehow they started thinking uh, certain ways, and they get offended at a lot of things, you know, and everybody's hurting them. And it's sad to say we do live in a society that is really anti-forgiving. It's more about uh, not just not forgiving, but nobody do anything to offend anybody. And it doesn't matter what it is, just don't do it. Don't, don't say anything that's the truth. We don't want to offend anybody. Don't, don't do anything because that might offend somebody. Really what we need to do is we need to tell the truth because it is the truth and share the truth. But if people are going to get offended, we just have to understand sometimes it is right to offend people. Sometimes it's right to say something that hurts. You know, the Bible said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. In other words, sometimes telling somebody something that they need to hear, even though they get offended at hearing it, is right. You with me? I mean, it's amazing. Even in public schools, sometimes they don't want to tell kids that they got, did something wrong because we don't want to hurt them. No, what it is is people need to know how to get over it. And we're not teaching people how to do that. We're not teaching people this Bible truth. And so what happens is we really end up, and don't get offended or get over it, with a bunch of weak people that, you know, they get offended and hurt at everything. You with me? And that is not appropriate. I mean, if you took a generation, you know, from, or a group of people, let's say, from 75 years ago or 100 years ago, uh, they may have faced a lot of stuff and were totally different in their thinking than the people are today. I know because I've talked to some of them, and some of them are quite concerned about where things are going. But it's kind of like if you live in this time, you don't know anything else. But this is something that God wants from us as believers is to learn how to walk in love and learn how to forgive. And there is a huge reason why. One, is he said to do it. Two, it is a witness to the world that you are actually not just a person who believes in the Lord, but you're actually following him. And then also it will affect your own uh, attitude and walk toward and with God. It will greatly affect how you walk with God if you walk in love toward people. If you don't, then it will mess things up. You know, Galatians said this, if you seek to please men, you will no longer please God. 
If I live my life just trying to please everybody and do everything that's pleasing to them, somewhere they have now become my standard and God is no longer my standard. You understand what I'm saying? If, uh, if he tells me to do something, but, you know, this isn't how they like it done. They want me to cheat. They want me to not have integrity. But the Lord tells me, so if I go, well, I'll do it because, you know, that's what everybody else is doing, then I'm going to be seeking to please men, and I will no longer be pleasing God. You with me? And if there's anybody that it's going to matter and that it matters to please, it's God. It may not look like it matters today, but it does matter. Because people watch us all the time, whether we know it or not, and He's watching us too. And our motives are important, and how we act is important. And I told you to turn to John, but I'm going to, if you keep your finger there or however it is, go to 1 John. We'll look at a couple of verses uh, in another place first. Because if we don't realize the value of this, we might just say, well, it's a commandment of the Lord. That should be enough for us to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. But can this really have an effect on you big time if you walk in love? Turn to 1 John, way back in the book of, back of your Bible, just before the book of Jude and, and the book of Revelation, 1 John 4, verse 20 says this, and we'll read actually two verses here, 1 John 4, 20 and 21. And you'll see here how that my relationship with man actually has effect on how my relationship with God is. And it's connected to how I love people. Now understand this, there are a lot of versions of love out there. But we're not talking about a version that is made up of man's ideas, but we're talking about a version that is made up by God. Because you'll hear people say this, well, God is love, therefore he, there's no way he'd ever send anybody to hell. But that's a human version trying to figure God out on their terms. No, God doesn't send anybody to hell. As a matter of fact, he loved the world so much, he sent his son to die for everybody and anybody who would then receive him could escape it. So God is not only not sending people there, he is actually done something to keep people from going there. That was an act of his love. But not everybody loves God and loves his way. And so some people say no to Jesus. Do we hate them? No. Somebody said, yeah. No, we still love them. We're still patient with them. But the fact of the matter is it's not because God hates. I mean, God's already done something about it. And so he loves the world. And so we need a version of God's love. Notice this 1 John 4.20, the effect that love has on you and your walk with God. Notice this, if someone says, I love God, you ever heard anybody say that? I love God. 
That's a pretty common thing. You hear it everywhere. Or at least you used to. I love God. And then somebody will say, well, you can't tell me this about my relationship or not. So we won't. We'll let the Bible. If somebody says, I love God and hates his brother, bitter, unforgiving, he is a liar. Isn't it interesting? God didn't say, you're mistaken. Because we don't like to use the term liar today. That might offend somebody. So God just said, you're a liar. You know, you ever get in an argument? You can't call me a liar. He just said, if you or anybody says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Boy, you feel like you could just pause for a while because let that sink in. He's a liar. How many people may pride themselves on not lying and being truthful? I've never cheated on my taxes. I've never cheated on anybody. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm a good, honest person. He said, if anyone says I love I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Then there's only one way to fix that. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. How I treat people and walk in love toward people directly affects my walk with God. See, and here's the thing. This is not a principle. It's a reality. And it creates a reality in us. Notice this in 1 John, the third chapter, and the 18th verse, and he's been talking about love here and how we act in love toward people. But notice verse 18, he said, My little children, let us, love, let us not love in word or in tongue. Now, isn't that what he was saying before? Somebody says, I love God, but they hate or are unforgiving towards somebody. He said, my little children, we shouldn't just love with our words and what we say, but in deed and in truth or according to the truth. For if, I'm sorry, verse 19, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. Our hearts get affected before God when we don't just uh, love in words, but when we love in deed. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, 
If our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we will receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things uh, that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us the commandment or this commandment. So love is vital toward me and my relationship toward God. No matter how you act toward me, it's important for me to maintain an attitude of love. No matter how people act toward you, it's vital that you walk a life of love because of the fact it has a direct connection with your walk toward God. It's good to know. Because remember the Bible said this, he said in, in Proverbs 4, he said, Guard your own heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. It literally means the boundaries by which you live. In other words, if you want a full life, you've got to guard your heart. Because if we're not careful, you can let a little ill will get in there. And after a while, you know, a little ill will starts, you know, happening here and there, and you start heaping up ill will, and you're full of ill. And then what happens is that's what begins to fill you. And if you get ill and hard toward people, that'll start playing out how you become toward God. And why God wrote this was not to be hard or harsh, but he knew we were going to have to navigate some of this stuff in this life. He knew that every one of us would face this. Young and old, you're going to face things. He knew it. And so what was he trying to do? He was trying to help us. See, he not only originated your relationship with him by sending his son that when you receive him, you become his child. He also gave us things that would help enhance our relationship and cause it to be very fruitful. And so therefore, he laid out these things so we could be helped and we could walk in a really good relationship with him. And this may not be the popular path of everybody, but it is the right path. Remember I told you to turn to John 13, just for the sake of turning there. We might as well go there. John 13. Notice this in the 34th verse, John 13, 34. This is not a real big teaching in the Old Testament, but it is the law that governs the New Testament. John 13, 34 said, a new commandment I give you. And it's interesting that if you fulfill this commandment, you really fulfill all the commandments, the Bible said. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Notice he's talking about living a life of love, following love. 
being a forgiver, being patient, being kind. Notice verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my, my what? Disciples. All will know you are saved. No, no. All will know you're born again. No, no, no. Because the Bible tells us people could actually be uh, born again and live just like the world. Have you ever seen that? Somebody gave their life to the Lord and they were living one way and then later on you see them and they look, look just like somebody who doesn't know the Lord with their lifestyle. Ephesians calls that sleeping with, dead pe- with the dead. A sleeping person looks like a dead person. You know, when you ever watch those movies and they go down into the basement of the hospital or something and there's a sheet, you know, and one of the workers decides he's going to take a nap and pulls the cloth over him. Somebody walks by and they think, oh, a dead body, we're in the morgue. And the guy gets up and people freak out and everything. But he looked that way, but he wasn't. And a sleeping person is alive, but they're looking like a dead person. People who are lost, the Bible said, are dead in their trespasses and sins. And so living this life, a mark that shows the world that we are a disciple, literally means a disciplined one. He said, go into all the world, make disciples of all people. In other words, teach them and tell them what to do. So that's what we do. We tell you what to do. And we're making disciples by telling you, but if you're going to be a disciple, you have to do then what is said. And so he said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. And then he went on to say, by this, all people will know that you are self-disciplined and that you're disciplined by me. If you love one another. Notice he said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if, if you have love one to another. Now understand that love and forgiving can actually uh, not always seem easy to do, but it is really not that hard to do if you know how to do it. I said, if you know how to do it, you could actually get rid of every bit of bitterness in your life at the snap of a finger, and it'd be gone, if you knew how to do it. I said, if you knew how to do it, and you know what's awesome? Jesus taught us how to do it. Doesn't matter how old, how young, you know. You ever hear these people that, that like one of their family members got hit by a drunk driver and then, then all of a sudden on the news they're like, I forgive them. And there are people who are not even associated. They're just watching on TV and they're boiling. How could they do that? How could they forgive them? Makes no sense. Sometimes people have trouble forgiving 
because they don't realize there's parameters besides just the action of forgiving. Forgiving doesn't always mean the other person goes free. Some people think that if, I, if, if that person forgives the person who is driving drunk, they forgive them. That means you let them go and they don't go to jail. No. Remember this, forgiveness affects you and it affects your walk with God. And it affects how you see people and how you treat people, but it doesn't always change their heart. And as a matter of fact, for the most part, it won't. I can forgive somebody for doing wrong, but that doesn't mean they're not going to go get drunk again and go drive. So if I really love, then they need to be prosecuted probably because their heart hasn't changed. And I sure don't want them going out and affecting this kind of ill on other people. And because I love them, I'm not holding ill against them. But they have not changed. They're not governing themselves. Therefore, there are some things that need to play out. And if they get their heart right, they can trust God and God will help them get free and walk out their life the way they need to. And so sometimes when we say, well, I forgive somebody, does that mean that how I treat them just stays exactly the same? No. It's a true statement that love is free and is unearned, but trust is earned. I can forgive my kid for doing something, but I'm trying to train and develop them so there may be some issues where there are repercussions, but I'm not bitter. I'm doing this for their benefit that they may not get this privilege. But I'm not holding any ill against them. You with me? What am I wanting? I'm wanting them to learn to adjust themselves. You know, the Bible calls the rod, the, you know, the rod, you know, spanking, you know, with a paddle or however people do it. It's called the rod of correction. Correction is to change the course of action, not take out rage on somebody. It's not to serve a purpose. If you made me mad, you did this wrong. No, the Bible, it's when God corrects you and deals with you, it's so you change your direction. It's not he's just, I'm mad at you. No, he wants good things in your life. That's why people should be corrected. Kids should be corrected because we love them and we want the course of their life to be right. And I can do that without being ill. And you can do that without being ill. You with me? There's a lot you could say. Some people probably need to get fired from a job. And it would be walking in love. I should have just done a Christmas message, but I prayed and this seemed good. <laughs>
You with me? Yeah, yeah, but they'll be without. Yeah, but, yeah, but, there's a lot of buts. But there are real reasons why it could and should happen. I remember one time when I was working with this company and I was the highest person in the field. And uh, a lady had hurt herself and so we moved her into the office and, and uh, tried to train her in this position and it was not working and she had kids and the two owners would come and talk to me about it and said, this is costing us, can you keep helping her? I said, I'm trying, but you know, you can't over order by thousands of dollars material and forget and leave heavy equipment, you know, with rental costs at hundreds of dollars a day, week after week on a job site, and forget to call them in off two, three, four jobs, five, six jobs, you know, you're talking tens of thousands of dollars are just going out, and they're just being wasted, I said, and, and we've got to get a handle, and you're trying to help the person, and, and now it's totally affecting the whole company, and they said to, uh, said to me, and uh, they said, you know, we just love and we love her and we don't want, we don't, we just, we, she's got kids. What if we do this, you know, we just, I said, can I just tell you something? If you do nothing right now, your type of love will play out like this. She will then ultimately be out of a job I said, you will be out of a company, you will be out of a company, I will be out of a job, and everybody else in the company will be out of a job by this version of love. I said, what would be loving is you can see she's not getting it. Give her some pay and help her to get started doing something else. And get somebody else in there who can do the job right and we won't be leaking all this money. Our pastor's so mean. No. No. The Bible said the wisdom that's from, from above is first pure, peaceable, easily entreated, and so on and so forth. We need to understand that there is a Bible version to love. God wants ministers before they minister to be first proved. But that doesn't mean he loves me more now than he did in the past. There's just that trust thing. You with me? Oh boy. And what am I supposed to be doing? I am supposed to be walking in love. But a version that God has set forth. And he said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Turn to Galatians 5, verse 6. Now remember, this love, if I walk in this love and I can learn how to forgive, I, I've dealt with people who, who had had issues for years and years toward people. And they said, you know, I really want to get right with God. I want to do things. And, uh, but I've got to forgive I've got to deal with this. I remember, let's read this verse first. Galatians 5. This affects us. It affects our faith. Galatians 5, 6. It says, 
In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision, which would be doing the works of the law as a Jew, nor uncircumcision or just living life like a Gentile, avails anything. I mean, that's not what does it. But faith working through love. Faith working through love. Our faith is directly connected to how we love one another. How I treat people affects my faith toward God. You know, I, I remember a, a guy, his name's Bill, he's, he's gone to be with the Lord. He was in his 80s, and he was really sick, couldn't walk on his own accord, had breathing, you know, a, a oxygen tank, and he came to church and uh, I said, hey, you know, we kind of hit up a relationship, and I just really liked him. I think he was about 81 at the time. He was just a really good guy and was really sick, and uh, we had offered prayer like we do here, and I said, you know, I could pray for you. He said, you can't pray for me. I, I can't get healed. I said, well, the Lord will heal anybody if people would open up. Um. You know, I mean, as a matter of fact, about a week, well, it's been almost over a week now, Sean and Nancy's daughter, they were FaceTiming or doing it through Facebook, and she's had bleeding ulcers and hadn't been able to eat right for a while, and they said, hey, pay, pray for her. I, I talked to her for a while, prayed with her, and she, I just kept getting notes after. All the pain's gone, I'm eating totally normal. This has been a long time. Day after day, get another one. I'm eating, I'm eating this, eating biscuits. With, God did a work in her. Without medicine, not saying medicine's wrong. But this guy said, he said, um, God can't do this. He, he, he won't, this isn't going to happen. I, I said, well, why? He said, I'm bitter. And uh, it's not going to work. He said, I have to fix this. He said, I'll come back next week. When it's fixed, you can pray with me. I said, he said, it's going to, I have to deal with this. I said, well, what happened? He said, I was a frogman, which is now what a Navy SEAL is. He said, during World War II, he said, I was on an island in the South Pacific. And he said, he, he just said this. He said, I hate Japanese people. I hate them all. He said, everyone on my team... He said, we, were, we had assaulted an area, we got into a place, and he said, everyone on my team was, oh, we were run, overrun by the Japanese, and he said, every one of them, I said, I watched them slit their throat. Every one of them. He said, I've never forgiven them since that day. He said, I got to take care of this. So he went home, and he dealt with it. He came back the next week, they looked exactly the same. We prayed, he left. Came back the next week, totally walking unassisted, no oxygen tank. He said, I got it. And was like that months and months and months later. He said, I just had to get that out of me. He said, I had to get it out. He said, I knew because God dealt with me for all those years, you need to forgive them. You need to forgive them. You need to forgive them. He knew it. He said, I just couldn't do it. And really, he could. He just didn't want to. Faith works by love. And we talk about having faith toward God, but it works by love. 
And that guy was an awesome guy. He used to come up to me after the service, and, you know, somebody would get saved, you know, and receive the Lord. He said, because he, he, we just kind of had a relationship later on, you know, we just, it just we grew a bond. He'd say, I don't know if you're allowed to be excited, but he goes, I'm just so excited. He goes, I just, he said, everything's so different. He said, how I see things, it just, he said, I'm free. Not just physically, he said everything. He said, matter, he said, as a matter of fact, he said, you know, when those people go down front sometimes to receive the Lord and give their eye, he goes, I just get so excited about that. He goes, it's just exciting. He said, that's okay to be like that. I said, yeah, we probably all should be like that. But he got that poison out of his system. You know, I tell that story when I was a kid, how that my parents, you know, I, I was always and that's probably not an exaggeration or a lot of times doing some really stupid stuff. Some of it I felt was very intelligent. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I I've told this story, but it still fits here. You know, when my parents were driving, I was in the back seat with my brother, and, and uh, they said, we don't have enough gas. And, you know, the gas stations are closed to get back home. I'm thinking, whoa, we're not going to make it home. And that doesn't mean all the gas stations are closed, but remember when they weren't convenience store, the things were open 24 hours a day, you could get gas anywhere 24 hours a day, and they'd close at a certain time. Well, this, I believe, was like on a Saturday or a Sunday, and they would close at a certain time, and I'm thinking, I don't want to stay at my grandmother's house. We're going to have to get home. It's an intelligent thought. So if you don't have gas, what's the next best thing? Well, back then, we knew it was fossil fuel right? Dinosaurs die. They float through the dirt. That's not exactly how it is, but that's what we thought. They get down there and they stew for a while and wham, you got oil. 10W30, you know, all this stuff, you know, doesn't matter. You've got oil, you got gas. But see, being the intelligent person I was and being about five years old, I knew that leaded gas had a red tint to it, where unleaded doesn't have, it looks more like water, you know, or more clear. And I knew back then that that car ran on, because when we go to the gas station, they'd say leaded or unleaded, leaded. So they're in my grandmother's house, I'm outside, natural thing. Fill her up, exactly. Make gas. Dirt is appropriate because it's from the ground. Leaves, but you have to have fall colors because that gives the red tint to the gas. I knew you just shove it in the gas tank and I'm just ramming it in there and then stick the hose in because it's got to be moist, you know. Fill her up. You know, and then I probably go back and kick back as a five-year-old. Uh, on the couch, like, my work's done. And then my parents go out to eat with their this couple, and they get in the car, and they decide they're taking their car. Well, good thing it's got a full tank of gas. And they take off out the driveway, turn down the street, make it a couple of houses, and... Uh, 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 uh. And they start examining and come to find out their friend... Man, there's, like, dirt, and your fuel filter's clogged, and... Look in the tank. There's like dirt and leaves. And, you know, the first thing that comes to their mind is not my brother's name. It's David Allen. 
you know, but I'm not there. Of course I made the gas. You can thank me if you want to. But the whole thing is faith works by love and a car engine, you know, for the most part works by gas. If you put the wrong thing in there, don't expect it to work right. Don't expect it to work right, no matter how justified you feel about it. You with me? Turn to John 17, or Luke 17. Here's an easy way to forgive, but here, we'll read this before we get into it. Because you can learn how to forgive real, real easy and really, really quick. You with me? And by the way, that does not work. If you're thinking, what? Did it, did it eventually work? No, it, it never worked. Yeah, I didn't, like he said, I didn't have dinosaurs. Luke 17, verse 1. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible. Now remember, all things are possible that believe but there are very few times where you find the word it's impossible. Like without faith, it's impossible to please God in Hebrews eleven six. But here he said it's impossible that no offenses, offenses, offense. You know, if you think in sporting terms, an offense is the part that's on the move. You know, it's an intrusion, you know, meaning when you're playing basketball, you try to come against the defense. They set something to stop it. But the offense, he said offenses, it's impossible that offenses, in other words, it, they're going to come at you. They're going to come in life. They'll come, but woe to him through whom they do come. And then he said it would be better for the him if a millstone would be hung around his neck, and that he would be thrown into the sea, than that he should offend one of these little ones. In other words, Jesus was talking about protecting kids and people offending and doing stuff wrong against them. Notice verse 3, take heed to yourselves if your brother sins, so he calls it sinning against you. Rebuke him or say something to him. And if he repents, let it go. Forgive him. Verse 4, and if he sins that against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you should forgive him. Verse 5, now this is the response not saying anybody is thinking anything right now, but maybe you're having a response. But like, serious? That's what the disciples said. Serious? Verse 5, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. Hey, if we got to do this, we got to have more faith. So the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed... Now remember, this mustard seed faith is talking about forgiving and walking in love. 
you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots, be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. Now think of this. He's talking about forgiveness, and he turns and he looks at a mulberry tree, and he said, if you had a tiny bit of faith, you could make this mulberry tree get plucked up and moved into the sea. Did he accidentally point to a mulberry tree? Did he direct his attention to a mulberry tree by accident? Now, there are a lot of trees. He spoke to a fig tree one time. Now it's a mulberry tree. A mulberry tree there was known as a poor man's fruit that was bitter fruit. And it was known that, and you can look these things up, that it gets uh, germinated by the sting of a wasp. And another thing that's known about these mulberry trees, that you can just pull them out and lay them on the ground, but if you don't do something, they'll replant and take off. It's kind of like a cactus here. If you don't get rid of it, you know, have you ever done that? You do just one of those round things off the cactus, you know? You just throw it on the ground or it'll just find roots and take off and keep growing again. So it's interesting, he said, be removed and be cast into the sea because salt water will kill it. He said, you got to get rid of it completely. And he said, you could say, if you just would say, you could, if you had, if you just say, you can make it move. Notice this. Be pulled up by the roots. In other words, there's nothing left in this unforgiveness at all. Be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea. It would obey you. In other words, you can get rid of all bitterness and all unforgiveness by words. And when I tell you how to do it, you'll be able to do it. I've seen people who have been cheated on in their marriage and their husband left, and they said it would take months for them to get this out. And within, after teaching them for a little while, within minutes they had it out. And I talked to them later and said, I'm good. Now, they didn't get back with the person, but their life is different. They're not walking around wounded and hurt and bitter. Them walking around hurt, wounded, and bitter doesn't affect the other person. It just messes me up. And so here he said this, And which of you having a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field. In other words, after a, a long day of work, and it's been hard, come at once. And This is what he said. Would he ever say this? Come at once and sit down to eat. Now, remember this. We're all servants of the Lord. We're all to obey whatever he says. But will he not, verse 8, Rather say to him, prepare something for my supper. In other words, do what I'm telling you. Gird yourself. In other words, put an apron on and serve me till I have eaten and drunk. And afterward, 
you will eat and drink. In other words, after a lot, now, has he changed anything about teaching about forgiveness? No. No. Hadn't changed a thing. After a long, hard day at work, you come home and you face something. Does it change your role? Nope. It's getting exciting in here. <laughs> but if everybody could just hold back from shouting right now, I could get done with this. <laughs> if I keep getting interrupted, it's going to take a long time. So just stay relaxed. Just be relaxed, all right? Just calm down. No shouting amen and all that. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he but notice he said, after a long day, you're still a servant even after you've gone through a lot. In other words, you're always a servant of the Lord. You always got to do this. Notice after he does do what he was then commanded after this long, hard day, verse 9, it says, does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? Does that master say, hey, thanks for, you know, he's a servant. Thanks for preparing that meal. Notice what it said after, I, I think not. Why? Because it's what's required. He's actually teaching on forgiving. No matter how long the day has been, no matter how, well, I'm just on my last nerve. And, and don't get me wrong, you can feel your last nerve, so to speak. But he said, even after you've been through a hard, long day and you're down to your last nerve, you got to put the apron on, roll up your sleeves, and forgive. That's what I was thinking. <clears throat> you ready? Here's how to do it. Say, so you took a long time to get right to this. I'm going to read two verses, and we're going to be able to do this like that. Ready? Somebody said, man, I'm ready. I'm ready to leave. <laughs> Matthew 6, incredible teaching on how to forgive. Matthew 6, right here. Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. They wanted to know how to pray, so they asked, they taught him. And in this prayer, he taught them how to forgive. And he said this, verse 12. He said, and, so he's right in the middle of this prayer. He said, you know, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Have you ever done something to violate God's rules and laws? Yeah, then you owe him. What is it when somebody does something wrong against you? They actually owe you something. 
Ready? Here's the next verse. Verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Notice, but if you do not, verse 15, forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. When I was younger, there was a, around these washes in California, there were fences, and they would have a sign that say, no trespassing, $500 fine, or six months, and or six months in jail. When you trespass, you go where you don't belong, then you owe something to that person wherever it is you've gone. So if I am rude and mean to you, I have trespassed. I have done something and gone where I do not belong. I owe you now. That drunk driver that hit that person and killed the family member, they did something and went somewhere where they did not belong. They trespassed. They broke a natural law set up by man and one by God. And then they infringed, they went where they didn't belong. When somebody says something to you that's inappropriate, not right, calls you a name, acts a certain way, they go where they don't belong. They have trespassed. When they do, they are now indebted to you. If you hold on to that without releasing it, that will create bitterness and hurts in you. So how do you get rid of that? Forgive us our debt as we forgive those who have become indebted to us. When somebody does me wrong, they trespass. They go into an emotional area, some kind of area in my life or in some way. They've gone somewhere they do not belong. Now remember, I may have to set up parameters later or in this process, but I can forgive them their debt. This is what I've told people. If somebody's done you wrong, put a value by it. How many of us have ever forgiven somebody a debt? Five dollars, ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand, tens of thousands? I've done that before in different amounts. And you know how I did it? Just like Jesus said. You could say, and it would obey you. So what I do is I could do it under my own breath, realize what they did against me was $10, $1,000. The higher it gets, the more it may take an action of your will. But you could release anybody of any amount of money, couldn't you? You could just go... That's $500. I'm not going to make you pay. It's gone. So how I treat them from now on, I'm not internally gone. They owe me bucks. No, because it's gone. How did I get rid of it? Just the way Jesus said. I don't hold their debt again. I let the debt go. But sometimes it's good to put a value on it. Like that's $500,000. Could you release a natural $500,000 from somebody? Technically, you could. Technically, you could. The question is, 
will you? I'm not telling you to do it naturally with 500,000. But I'm saying you could technically, if you could do it to a dollar, $10, $1,000, you could do it to a million dollars. Oh, I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> you need to come to the place where you could do it naturally. Not that you'll ever have to. But then you could go, if this is a million dollar debt that somebody infringed and trespassed in my life, I could say, I let that go. Does that mean I allow them back? Do I let drunk Uncle Larry keep driving the kids? No, because his heart hasn't changed. I don't hold bitterness against you, but I have enough wisdom to know you aren't driving the kids anymore. I love you, but you're going to have to prove yourself. But I'm not going to be bitter over it and stew over it. I release that. People haven't defined the lines, so what's happened is people have thought, I have to be bitter and full of ugh, when they don't have to. It's freeing. I said it's free. God did it for us. Matter of fact, there is a scripture that talks about a servant who is forgiven a debt that is beyond numerical numbers in the Bible. And then he went and grabbed a neighbor by the neck who owned him a couple bucks. And he begged for him to release him of that amount. And he said, no, I'm throwing you into prison until you pay it all. Jesus actually was teaching forgiveness there. You have been forgiven a debt you could not pay when you received Christ. Any other amount that anybody owes you is little in comparison. So if you have ought or ill against anybody under your breath right now, you could say, I let that go. That doesn't mean you're saying what they did was right. Didn't, you're not saying it was appropriate. It's not saying that, okay, now they're going free to do whatever they want to do. That's not saying any of that. It's you letting go so you're not messed up inside. You with me? And you could do it like that. Put a value on it. And let it go. I'm not holding that. Does that mean you let that person come back into the same place in your life? No. But you're no longer internally hurting. Many people hurt and are seeking counseling. And the reason they hurt is because they're holding stuff. And if they'd let it go, the hurt would go with it. And they wouldn't be held prisoner by that. It fix you like that. See, now, if you hand the CD out to somebody, just say, listen to the last minute, five minutes. <laughs> Don't worry about the rest. But it's true. You can do it. Jesus said you could just say in a tree, but it's not a tree. It's that bitter fruit. 
We'll just get out of your life. Maybe you thought somebody should have done something for you that they didn't do. Now they owe you because they didn't do it. Let it go. Put a value on it and say, you don't have to tell them. I just want to let you know you should have done this. You don't have to do that. Go around telling everybody after church, well, I'm not mad at you anymore. You should have. No, no. I can't wait till work. No. Just, you can do it when nobody's watching. Just say, I'd let it go. They owe me nothing. Then you won't be stewing every time you see them. They shouldn't have done this. They should be doing this. They owe me this. It's gone. 